Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of News and Views. Today, we've got an action-packed episode for you. Right up front on our news trends, we're going to be talking with a good friend of mine, Roger Helmy, uh, who is an industry expert on where the trends are going. He and I are going to talk about three of the hot trends happening in transit right now in our news segment. And then for our newsmaker interview, we'll be talking to our own Mike Bismeyer who recently won a big award at the Canadian Urban Transit Association. He'll tell us all about that and his efforts in making kindness cool. And then finally, Tris and I, our producer, will be talking about what's coming up this coming week at APTA, the American Public Transportation Association big triannual event, the expo that's happening in Orlando. We'll tell you about some of these events happening on the future of transportation segment. But first, it's my pleasure to bring uh, on the air for the first time, uh, Madaxo, Medaxo's Director of Product Management, Roger Helmy. Roger, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Paul. Happy yeah, to be Medaxo is one of the world's leading transit technology companies with offices all over the world. And Roger is in charge of developing new products for them around the world. He and I have been friends for a while. He and I recently did a webinar um, with an R- at an R&D summit, and we were talking about three of the biggest trends, Roger. And um, you and I talked about what those trends ought to be. Uh, based on kind of everything you and I are hearing from the industry. And I mean, what are you hearing from the industry now? Yeah, I mean, at the very top of the list, you know, three things I think we keep hearing about electrification. Um, A lot of agencies have been focused on procuring uh, electric buses and essentially are are facing mandates to go zero emission and carbon neutral. Um, They are also focused on microtransit or demand responsive transit, depending on where in the world um, you are. But that's an important, um, you know, new initiative, I would say, that agencies are undertaking now to ensure that they can provide equitable services to their communities and and really look at places where traditional fixture just doesn't make sense. Um, And then certainly safety in in transit, Um, you know, given we're in a global health crisis, you know, it's certainly top of mind. And, you know, even, you know, when you're or pre-pandemic, it's it's always kind of been right at the top of the list in terms of priorities for any. It has, you're right. I, um, uh, but, but it's funny how the definition has changed, isn't it? I mean, you know, traditionally, so, you know, I've been doing transit for over 30 years now, and there's traditionally been two primary definitions of safety. One is related to accident prevention, right? So we measure that in the transit industry with a term called AFR, accident frequency ratio. And the larger transit agencies measure it per accidents per million miles. And for paratransit, it's often measured accidents per 100,000 miles. And it's even divided even further into preventable accidents per 100,000 miles. Then you've got the other type of safety, which is, uh, you know, my personal safety on a vehicle. So that's an important safety. But now one of the other ways that transit has really focused on safety over the last year or two, though, has been with the whole COVID thing, right? I mean, you know, uh, we've covered it extensively here in the podcast, but Stuart Mader, Mr. You know, Vax Transit, uh, helped organize 450 transit agencies in North America to provide free transportation to where the COVID shots were happening. And then places like Jacksonville, Florida, with Nat Ford, they actually took the vaccine right out there. So now there's there's like a third definition of safety, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, health is you know a critical piece of that. Um, so we all know, you know, it's been very well documented in the news just how easy it is to, to contract the virus and 
you know, in the wake of the pandemic, you know, agencies really focused on, on buttoning up their processes around things like sanitization of, of vehicles and things of that nature in order to, you know, ensure a healthy environment for their riders. And it's, it's so important. And I mean, it's not going to go away, right? I just don't think it's going to go away. Um, it's proven um, how critical it is. Well, and I think uh, the CTAA, the Community Transportation Association of America, recently came out with a study that actually Stuart Mader helped develop for them. And it showed what transit agencies should do to remain relevant, what our focus should be. And obviously our focus on the nine to five commuter has been affected dramatically by you know people going to hybrid work schedules and not going to the office every day. But another area where we can focus our efforts is on service redesign to um, to allow people to get to where they need to go today and to focus on the health needs of the community. Part of that is the demand response thing you mentioned there, Roger, where you talked about how that's become even more prevalent over the last year or two. Microtransit or mobility on demand for people who do not have disabilities was just really starting to become a trend prior to the pandemic. But now it seems like everything in the world has gone on demand. You know, we get our groceries on demand. We've ordered all our supplies through Amazon, you know, on demand. And transit's no difference, is it? No, not at all. And I think people see it, you know, as a huge convenience in all honesty, right? Uh, you could go walk, you know, however many feet or maybe further to wait for a bus or you can call it up on your phone and see when it's going to arrive, you know, right by your house, you know, down the street at the corner kind of thing. So, you know, I think agencies are now looking at this new type of uh, transportation and are asking themselves, well, can we provide a higher level of service and convenience to our riders? And does it actually make more economic sense for us, right? Um, ridership's changed. It's still a bit depressed. And a lot of people moved out of the core of the cities, right? And so they're moving into, or have moved into more suburban areas, maybe even further out in some cases. And so they're really looking at, you know, demand and responsive transit as a means to, you know, ensure that, you know, more of their riders can access transit, that they can deliver that service in a more convenient way and maybe even become a little bit more efficient than the traditional fixtures that they might have ran in that area, but maybe not necessarily close enough or at a frequency, you know, that was uh, frequent enough to really compel someone to take the service. So it's it's definitely something that brings an element of complexity to transit systems, but the, the value proposition for the rider is, is pretty good. There's a complex series of... Um components too, I think, that are going into why this is uh, happening right now. I was just down at TARC uh, a couple months ago uh, with Carrie Butler, the Transit Authority of River City um, in Louisville, Kentucky. And she said, that's our number one need, Paul, right now. You know, we could use a hundred drivers right now. So commercial drivers are difficult to get right now. Uh, it takes you know, normally a 10 week, eight to 10 weeks to train people. And so microtransit doesn't require a CDL driver. And a lot of times the drivers that are driving these vehicles are in Uber, Lyft style, TNCs, et cetera. So it's a whole different um, group of drivers that are being attracted. Then you've got also the fact that these routes are being changed based on the new ridership patterns. You just mentioned that where, you know, I was just in Las Vegas with MJ Maynard and she said, Paul, with this new ARP money, we're getting uh, the third tranche of funds from Washington. You know, we're changing frequencies and increasing on some routes, but we're also adding a microtransit 
uh, component to certain zones to make sure those folks uh, get that equi- the equitable inclusiveness that you talked about. And so there's a lot of factors going into play in this. I think it's also the same kind of thing happening with what you mentioned, zero emission buses, right? For the last couple of years, everyone has been focused on cleaning up the environment um, here in the U.S. and around the world. Transit agencies have actually now received policy guidance in a lot of places like California or like in London where TFL did this, where they're saying, you know, we have to be zero emission or very low emission by certain dates. So every vehicle we purchase going forward is going to have to be either electric battery, hydrogen or CNG. What I'm hearing, Roger, is that hydrogen is the new electric, so to speak. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was just at the Transportation Association of Maryland conference on Kent Island a few weeks ago, and I got to you know, I've seen hydrogen buses before with Lauren Skyver out there, but I got to see my first one on the East Coast, not in California. And it is happening. Um, what's your thoughts on all of that electric buses? And what are you seeing? I mean, you're talking to people all over the world, places, you know, uh, like Denmark and, and Europe that are really pushing this as well. Yeah, I mean, both great trends, right? I mean, I think it, they're all underpinned by wanting to go Right. And that's that's really the driver. And I think that's um, and there's some very distinct differences between, you know, battery operated buses and hydrogen operated buses. And, and but at the same time, I think the electric um, technology is probably a little bit more yes. advanced than, than hydrogen. You know, there's there's trade offs. And I think, you know, this is going to be something that evolves over the course of the next many years. I think we might end up seeing, you know, probably more electric buses go into service. We see them being procured you know, globally um, at scale, but a bit more than hydrogen. But, you know, as that technology starts to mature, you know, that could change. Yeah. And I think some people, I, I just was uh, talking to a transit leader just like in the last two weeks who said they really prefer to have a mix in their fleet, even though for maintenance, you know, purposes, it's nice to have one type of vehicle, but to have multiple power sources in case something goes wrong, uh, you don't have, so to, so to speak, all your eggs in one basket. So I think you're right. I think we'll see this play out. Uh, the, the one fella that was showing me his hydrogen bus said basically electric, battery electric power is, um, we actually had a speaker on recently uh, on our podcast talk about it. They said it's basically 10 years ahead of where hydrogen, you know, technology is. And so, it is something I think these three trends that we'll see continue to play out. Like you said, we're not completely out of the COVID thing yet. There could be other variants. There could be future things happening. The role of transit in this new area of safety still has to be fleshed out. The service redesign that people are going through now is still playing out in cities across the country. And this on-demand transit, people are still developing apps and coming up with all kinds of ways uh, to put the power of personalized transit on your phone, in your hand, and policy objectives in order to clean the environment are really driving a lot of what transit is about. It's almost become, you know, I used to say safety, efficiency, reliability, and world-class customer service were the four things that transit was about. But now through policy objectives that uh, boards and funding authorities have added on, really we've added in two additional components, I think, that become a base, uh, a kind of a base purpose for transit. And that is to produce more equity and inclusion in our communities, and to clean up the environment. I'll give you the last word. I think you're bang on, Paul. I think you're bang on. Um, it's about you know enabling more sustainable cities for everyone that lives in those cities. Um, and I think that's where you know transit has a, a huge role, right? Because you know the ability to deliver that higher level of service, as you mentioned, on demand, access those areas that 
you probably didn't serve well enough before and bring people back, but also couple that with clean service. I think that's probably what every city needs. Roger Helmy, Director of Product Management at Medaxo, developing technology to help hundreds of millions of people ride transit every day. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Hey, thanks for being with us today and staying with us on the Transit Unplugged podcast for our news and views episode. Exciting to have with us uh, a regular guest on the program who uh, at least a couple times a month shares about kindness, and that is our own Mike Bismeyer, who is Regional Sales Director for Transit and Commercial Canada at Proterra. Mike, thanks so much for being our newsmaker interview today. Hey, Paul, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, congratulations on the upcoming anniversary and uh, all the exciting changes with Transit Unplugged. Uh, Super excited for you, and always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, I thought this would be a great way to kick off our fifth season because today actually is the first episode of season five for Transit Unplugged is to have you one of our regular contributors on the show because a lot of folks may not realize, um, you know, a little bit about your background, how you got into this effort of kindness is cool. And then I want to talk about some of the awards you've won. I mean, you you live in um, kind of Western Canada out near the uh, Pacific Ocean and you work for Proterra, a big electric bus company. But you have a passion that kind of drives a lot of what you do. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So thank you very much. Uh, I mean, I, I am with Proterra. I'm on the West Coast, uh, about 45 minutes east of downtown Vancouver, British Columbia, a little town called Abbotsford, uh, right across the uh, Sumas-Bellingham border for those that are more familiar with the U.S. states. But yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, it's been I've been in uh, public transit now for uh, 13 years to two and a half, two and three quarters with Proterra. It was with a company called Say On Safely prior. So I've uh, been in it for a while, but yeah, I've always tried to use the opportunity. I mean, we're, we're you know, we're, I have big gratitude. We have the ability to travel around uh, with what we do being in sales. I love it. I love uh, relationships, but I've always been passionate about kindness. Um, and I've sort of made that my shtick. The kindness is cool. And it really, it, it comes out of, you know, I was bullied as a child. A lot of people don't know that story. Uh, I had a, about a year and a half really tough in school where, where it got really bad. You know, I, I really didn't want to go to school. Uh, and then I sort of had a random act of kindness that someone did for me that sort of changed my perception on, um, you know, just on how to approach things. And, um, you know, basically I was being bullied daily by someone at the at the high school, you know, it was made my life very miserable. Showing up at the bus stop every day would take my lunch away in front of the other kids, put it on the ground. Uh, you know, I, I was a chunkier kid back then. Um, my mom was always really supportive and said, I just, just hadn't hit my growing uh, sprout yet. And, uh, but this guy would take my lunch away in front of the other kids and, and mash it up and throw it in the garbage can, tell kids I didn't need to eat because, you know, I was already too fat. Those, those sorts of things, right? Of course, it, it bothered me. I did, he didn't get a huge reaction out of me, but it was, you know, inside it was eating away at me and got to the point where I didn't want to go to school anymore. You know, I started taking a different bus home, all those sort of things. But anyway, one day, you know, just unbeknownst to me, I got on that same bus. Uh, that guy had taken my lunch away. I'm walking down the aisle. And some kid who I didn't know uh, said, hey, you can sit with me. And so I sort of sat down on the bus. And as the bus was pulling away, he said, um, he just looked at me and said, I got your back today. And uh, I didn't know what he meant. And he opened his uh, knapsack and he had brought an extra lunch because he had seen mine getting taken away every day. And it just had a massive impact on me for two reasons. First of all, that, you know, I understood that someone saw what was going on, you know, because I really hadn't told a lot of people. I hadn't told my parents how bad it was. Uh, and then, you know, it just was changed my perspective. All of a sudden I started thinking, well, you know, if he's got my back, maybe I can have my own and, and don't want to date myself. But in those days, still had a pencil case uh, as part of my repertoire at school. And so I dumped all the pencils out and I started to hide my sandwich in there. 
And I started to bring like a dummy lunch every day, which was whatever my mom didn't want in the fridge. It was a great exercise of cleaning the fridge. And I would let that guy throw that one away and it never bothered me anymore. It just sort of changed my perspective. So that's the first random act of kindness where it profoundly impacted me. You know, and there were some other things that had happened, but I also grew up in a home. My dad uh, is a recovered alcoholic, drug and alcohol counselor. He's 42 years sober, uh, has has mentored people ever since. And he's the best uh, role model I ever had uh, because he has always been extending the hand. And we've had a plethora of people through our home that he's tried to help. Um, so my sister and I grew up in a great home. You know, there's always someone there at Christmas dinner that wasn't wasn't a relative that my dad was trying to, to give a meal and a family situation to. So just that's sort of where I got inspired. And then um, at my last company in transit, there was an opportunity to start an anti-bullying foundation through an initiative we were doing. So I was one of the founders of that and became the national spokesperson. So, I mean, that's a passion for me. And yeah, and so I've just tried to carry that over into the other things we do as I travel around transit. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, people that I've interacted with in 13 years that are tired of hearing about kindness is cool. But uh, what's really cool is that a lot of them have have adopted that message and uh, have told me that it has that meant a lot to them. I have it on my email signature and there's just opportunities when we travel around to sort of make a difference. And I try and preach that to my fellow peers and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how it was born. And that's, uh, you know, how, I, how I've gone, as my wife would say, how I've become obsessed with it. And, uh, but it's good. It's uh, people could have worse obsessions, right? So uh, yeah. I truly believe in it. Well, and you've been recognized this year for some awards. Tell us about them. Yeah, you know, again, very fortunate. So the first thing I'll say uh, on any award is, you know, you don't do, you know, my dad always said, you don't do ever do anything for an award or an accolade. You do it because it's the right thing to do. So I truly believe that. I was fortunate to get notified uh, early this year um, that I was nominated for the Savita Shaw Award through the Mahatma Gandhi Foundation, which is for kindness and advocacy in communities. Um, so yeah, I was one of two uh, North American winners for that. I was hugely honored. And, and of all things, I got the call uh, on Pink Shirt Day, which was I was just headed to a local business that I partnered with for a Pink Shirt Awareness Day to raise funds call on the way. So it was, uh, I, I tell you, I was, it was very emotional. So I was super Super excited to, to win that award. It was it meant a lot to me. And uh, and then, yeah, I just found out a couple of weeks ago uh, during the CUDA virtual conference, uh, I was nominated for the Excellence Award, um, uh, Leadership and Excellence through the CUDA, which is, you know, Canadian's equivalent to APTA. Uh, for, again, for advocacy and all the things I do in communities when I travel for transit and, and the whole Kindness is Cool campaign. So, again, a huge honor. Um, just, just to know that uh, people are noticing and, and they're, you know, again, if it's cont- kindness is contagious, it's great to know that uh, others are sort of listening in and, and doing some of that. That's great. Well, congratulations, Mike. And obviously the work that you do uh, in our industry of providing, um, you know, environmentally friendly vehicles and the work that we're doing in general, uh, help people in their lives. Uh, I think the transit has really taken a shift and it's modality and its emphasis even over the COVID pandemic in this moment of inflection where people are saying, you know, transit is not just about the nine to five commuter anymore, but it's really about providing access to all of life's opportunities. And for sometimes for people who are underprivileged and don't have all the same opportunities that everybody else does. And so really the work that we're involved in is really falls right in with your campaign of kindness is cool. You hit the nail on the head. I believe that transit is a great equalizer. It gives everybody the same opportunity. So that's why I'm passionate about transit. Um, and I and I will say, you know, in our industry during this COVID, which is very unique times that none of us probably would have ever been able to sell a script on. Yeah. Uh, I will say we've seen incredible kindness and and the people going above and beyond within our own industry, which has been very inspiring for me, which has kept me going. 
But, you know, I mean, we've seen agencies that have pivoted and they're using vehicles to do door-to-door food deliveries. They're transporting seniors. They're taking uh, people to COVID um, vaccination facilities. And I I mean, it's been truly tremendous. We've had buses parked in underprivileged areas so that kids could have Wi-Fi when they're forced to do school from home. So I think there's so many people in transit doing brilliant and incredible things that um, that we need to talk about those stories, like you said, and that's why I am passionate about it. Transit, uh, people that are in transit are already passionate anyway. I think we see that day to day. So I think we all, um, you know, can go above and beyond and, and make a difference somehow. And it's the little things. It really is. I mean, kindness is as easy as opening a door for someone or talking to someone we haven't ever acknowledged before. And, and maybe that's all they need that day is someone to say hello, uh, uh, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Paul. And, and you know, it's exciting times. Uh, working for electric bus manufacturer, uh, Proterra is a wonderful company and um, r- really, really has hit, hit the nail on the head. Thank you, Mike Bismeyer. Thank you for being a part of our show on a regular basis, as you have been for the last couple of years. Thank you for reaching out to me and befriending me a couple of years ago when I was out visiting Vancouver, when we connected for coffee. And uh, thank you for the work you're continuing to do to show that we've got a heart. People in this industry have a heart. We're here mostly, I think, for the right reasons. And uh, we look forward to working together for a long time to come. I appreciate it, Paul. Congratulations again for everything. Thank you for the opportunity to help keep kindness cool. And uh, we really appreciate the Trepeze partnership that we've had with you as well. So thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. We've seen a lot of changes in the ways we message about transit agencies in the last two years. While cleanliness and equity were themes in previous years' communications, those have become much more important messages, and they'll remain so. But there are also some significant things that haven't changed in how we talk about transit. Benefits and passenger information are still the two most important topics we need to promote. What are some of the key points to keep in mind about benefits and information messaging? Benefits can be quite wide-ranging. We can promote the personal benefits of transit, like convenience, independence, and savings, as well as the societal benefits, such as cleaner air and economic growth. Taking our learnings from the last two years, we can also remind the public of the mobility equity benefit transit provides by leveling the playing field for historically marginalized and under-resourced populations. Best practices in passenger information messaging is quite straightforward. Prioritize rider how-tos over all other information. Keep schedule and route information above the scroll on all your digital communications. And most of all, ride your own system using your passenger information so you can learn how well your communications work from the rider's perspective. If you'd like to talk more about messaging benefits and information or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Hey, so... Now it's just me and you, Paul, and uh, we we're, we haven't really recorded a session together, but APTA's coming up. By the time people listen to this, we'll be like a week away. It's my first APTA, and it's probably my first conference I've been to in years. Paul, what should I be looking for? What What's going to be exciting? Well, uh, you're going to have a ball. I, 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 uh, I view these conferences, Tris, as I feel like I'm diving into a sea of my friends, and just swimming in a sea of my friends. That's the way I view it. I'm a people person. I love people. So having eight to 10,000 people together in Orlando, Florida safely, uh, I think is going to be phenomenal. And, and especially in context for the fact that we haven't been doing this for two years, right? Yeah. Besides meeting all your friends again in person, because you've been to a couple of conferences since, 
what's the most what are you really looking forward to who are you going to be going to go like yeah. i gotta go see this so this year's apta is a little bit different than their normal apta conference every year the agenda for the conference itself uh, is is rich, but it's not like overpacked with events. They want people on the expo floor, and there's hundreds and hundreds of vendors and companies and consultants and all this stuff, either who have booths or will be walking around booths interacting. And so that's really how the expo is different. It has so many. It's like the the central hub of all the activity that's happening in the industry for these few days. You know, on the second week of November. And you now we were talking with just talking with Roger Helmy. And you were talking about the, like the the three big things yes. right now, microtransit, electrification, and safety. And all those topics are on the agenda. And those seem to be the things yeah. that everyone wants to know about. That's right. He, yeah, I'll be asking uh, one of the big events that you're helping me to put on. And by the way, for those who listen to the show and 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 have heard Tris's voice, this is Tris Hussey. He's uh our producer of the Transit Unplugged podcast, you know, he's over in Vancouver. I'm in Washington, D.C. We work online together. Tris, I mean, just from a personal basis, I'll be happy to meet you in person. Uh, Absolutely. We, yeah. Yeah. We'll be working together on our fourth anniversary party down there. I'm really looking forward to it. We were talking about it this morning, Monday. Right. You're doing the, 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 I don't know, like a fireside chat there with our go. GMs. Yeah. They're like FDR. The yeah, yeah, exactly. We got Teresa Domingo from, from Trapeze and then followed by Peter Axel of Vontis. And then Tuesday's the big day that I'm super excited for because we've got the, the leader, women leaders of transit USA style with five fantastic leaders. I think I have heard something from almost all of them now. And I'm really looking forward to that because the Australian one was fabulous. Yeah. And, and, and then the cocktails with comfort. Yeah. So it's going to be big. So this is, uh, we'll be celebrating our fourth anniversary. And actually this episode, you told me a few minutes ago is the first one of our fifth season. The one we're talking is. on right now. Yeah. Because we started in November four years ago. So to celebrate, we're doing those two big events that you just mentioned. We're doing a live transit unplugged CEO roundtable. It'll include Nadine Lee, the CEO of Dallas's dart system, Leslie Richards out here on the East coast with me. Uh, she's head of SEPTA, uh, Southeast Pennsylvania transportation authority in Philly. And then Lauren Skyver, who's my longtime friend, who's CEO of Sunline Transit. Lauren, uh, speaking of hydrogen power, is one of the leaders of hydrogen. I actually was able to visit a hydrogen plant that she built uh, a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic. She actually sells hydrogen onto the market uh, with her plant there, as well as power her own buses. And then MJ Maynard, who I recently visited out in Las Vegas, who's head of the um, RTC, the Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada, which is really a great agency because it does more than just transit. They're also the MPO, the Metropolitan Planning Organization. They do roads and all kinds of stuff. And then my good friend, Bakara Sanderson-Malden, who was the CEO of a couple systems and now is chief of staff uh, with Gary down at uh, Memphis Area Transit Authority, you know, where the king is from, Elvis. So, so, uh, yep. so she's great. She's going to be on the panel too. But then cocktails with comfort in that three p.m. three three thirty, that's that's the big celebration. There's something new you're doing. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> so two you're doing. Yeah. So this is our official party at from three to four thirty on Tuesday. The uh, the CEO roundtable will be a little bit earlier, from eleven thirty to twelve eleven thirty a.m. to twelve thirty at our booth three five three, which is the Trapeze Vontis booth. Um, in Hall A, and so uh, then at three o'clock is the party, and about fifteen minutes in. We're going to unveil 
da, 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 da. Transit Unplugged TV. So we've been working on this. I visited, uh, you know, our, our buddy uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and then we visited Vegas, as I mentioned, and uh, we're we're going to also be filming the women's panel for our third episode uh, and some other interviews when I do while we're down there for the show. But uh, but this will be an opportunity to kind of show what we call in the industry a sizzle reel. So it's like a preview for a movie. It's just probably going to be three minutes long, but it's going to show you kind of what we're hoping to do. And it's really exciting. And like we, you and I have talked about this, this is, brings a whole new aspect to, I think, understanding transit agencies and the communities they serve. Because you were inspired by Anthony Bourdain, and you've talked about that before. And I think this is a – transit agencies don't exist in isolation. They support a community. And, uh, you know, I a neighbor of mine is a, is a driver here for TransLink. And we're part of the community. And it's, I think, showing that on TV in a show is going to be really cool. Yeah, well, and the other cool thing we're doing at, at, uh, at our celebration is this is, as we just mentioned, our fifth season going into this. And we've been working for the last several months on an update of some various things. Why don't you tell them what we're updating, what we're going to share with them there? Yeah, this is this is very exciting. This is one of the things when I when I joined um, about six months ago is I was like, wow, we're missing a few things on the website that we need, like <laughs> search. And so we're, we're unveiling a brand new logo, which I'm very excited about. And Paul, you've seen. And I think the, the crown jewel is actually a new website. And what we're doing is making it, I, I guess, more listener focused is really what it is. Search. You'll be able to look for particular episodes. You'll be able to look for particular guests, particular regions. So you can go right to a region and, you know, an updated look and feel. We call it the Netflix style. Yeah, I love it. Like browse that thing. And this is what's really exciting. And then we'll update all the other graphics. But the website's the crown jewel. Yeah, That is is what I'm really excited about. Though I have to say the logo is pretty damn cool. It, it is yeah. good. You're right. And we've got, uh, you know, a lot of people on our team that we will thank at, at the appropriate point, but they've been working, a lot of people on our team. And I'm also excited. Randy on our team has been working on new social media presence for the show. We're going to have our own uh, LinkedIn page, our own Twitter page, and our own Instagram mm-hmm. page for Transit Unplugged. And, and YouTube. For Transit Unplugged TV. Tuesday, November 9th, I think. Everything goes live that day. Everything goes live Tuesday, November 9th. Paul, this is, it's great to actually chat, you and I. Yeah. And get ready for the show. Yeah. Well, hey, before I go, Tris, I just want to thank you to uh, in front of all of our listeners, so to speak, for the great work you've been doing in improving the sound quality and the effort you're putting in to just make the show more professional and better. As we go into our fifth year, we're heard in 100 countries now, and now we're heading into TV uh, you're a good partner to have. So thank you for all the work you've been doing. Oh, thank you very much, Paul. You're a fabulous host. And the more I listen to it's like, he knows everybody, which I'm sure everyone says, it's like, Paul knows everybody. But this is this is a great thing because I love this medium and uh, it's it's a great topic. Very good. So, we'll, see you on, we'll see you down there in Orlando along with all of our friends from the show. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views. Again, to our special guests, Roger Homey and Mike Bismeyer. Paul and I are really looking forward to meeting and seeing all of you at APTA next week. In addition to all the events at the Trapeze Vontis booth, Paul will be at the TripSpark booth, booth 769, Monday at 1.30 p.m. for a special taping of Transit Unplugged. And word is, they'll be giving away copies of his books, too. 
In the meantime, if you have a question or a comment or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, please feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. Until next week, ride safe and ride happy.